up our hands to you just in surrender, Father, and saying, we trust you. We look to you, Lord, to lead us. We look to you to be our general, to be our master, to be our Lord. And we surrender our thoughts to you. We surrender our lives fresh and new to you, Lord. We want to be victors and not victims. We want to be victorious. And we want to see more of the kingdom of God taken back in the state of California, in our communities, in our families, in our church, Lord. All these things we surrender to you. And we just say, Lord, in each one of us, we ask that you deposit in us the fight, the fight on our knees, God. And that we would not be like little rats on a little, you know, little toy going around and around and around and around. But that, Lord, our prayers would be effectual, effective working prayers of women of God. Seeing things happen in the spiritual realm that are greater than anything we've ever seen before. Healings, deliverances, Father. Lord, answers to prayer that we have been tarrying for for years, God. We want you to deposit in us the tools we need to become deeper and greater in prayer for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I want to just say for all of you that are here tonight, I'm so glad you're here. But I would like to say hi to all of our sisters in Christ around the world that are listening on podcast. The ladies of Cornerstone, say hi. Everybody say hi. And especially our precious Cantonese sisters that this is being translated into each week. That if you go on our webpage, you can see that they are able to hear our teaching in Cantonese. And uh, so we're so thankful for that. And for a Will, who on Tuesday morning is able to do that for us. So wonderful. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The second week of our teaching on the invitation which is the study that we're doing now. It's called the Invitation to Prayer, to go deeper. If you're around here too much, you know we use the word deeper a lot, that God wants us to go deeper in our faith, deeper in our ability to serve him and to minister. And uh, Amelie, who is our women's ministries director, she gave us a challenge the second week on the foundations of prayer. And I wrote it out. Her challenge was this. Wherever you are in your prayer life, go deeper. And I wrote that in my journal. Wherever I am in my prayer life, I want to go deeper. And this is really what separates the boys from the men, the girls from the women, is going deeper in prayer. I was dealing with a little situation the other day. Sometimes I get to deal with little situations, being a pastor at a church. And after everybody kind of got done with their situation, I said, you know, I don't think there's anybody in this conversation that hasn't put their big girl panties on. And I said, I have a famous quote from one of my granddaughters, Colette, when she was about two. She was being potty trained. And so we kept telling her she could wear big girl panties, big girl panties. And one day she walked up to Papa, and she says, Papa, do you have your big girl panties on? (laughs) He goes, yep, I do, Colette. So we, kind of a famous quote around the Dana Ponzi household is, hey, do you have your big girl panties on? And uh, this is really this kind of prayer. you got to put on your big girl panties, okay? 
you got to get them on and you got to go, let's, you know, let's suck this up. That's really what warfare praying is all about. So that's why we're going to talk about this kind of prayer. There's two kinds of people in the kingdom of God. There's people that are willing to go deep in the things of prayer and they tear down walls and they break down strongholds. As it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual and they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. I would suggest you memorize that. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual and they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We know in Ephesians 6, it says that we have a warfare that we are always in. You know, we have, we have an armor of God that we can put on that protects us against the wiles of the enemy. Growing up in a Christian home, I learned about a lot about prayer by watching my parents and my grandparents. My first memories of my mom are of her on her knees praying, weeping before the Lord in her bedroom every day. Lord, I pray for Billy. I pray for Carol Ruth. I pray for Robert. I pray for our church. I pray for, you know, my husband. As he, you know, this, was what, this is where I first learned about prayer. But I also learned that it wasn't just always sweet little kind prayers, that sometimes you had to be aggressive in prayer. I, I won't tell you stories that would scare you, but I have seen things in prayer that, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but the Lord's also given me wonderful mentors along the way that have helped me go a little bit deeper in prayer. And that's why we need each other. That's why we do ministries like this women's Bible study, like our growth groups, like woman to woman. We want to encourage each other to go deeper in prayer. Now, I believe that spiritual warfare is birthed in John 15. This is where spiritual warfare is birthed. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Now, the definition of abide is more than just remaining. Like you say, you know, I'm going to abide with you. Like some translations say that abide is just, or I am going to remain in you. A remain in me and I will remain in you. But in the Greek, it also means to continue to be present. Abiding means to endure. This kind of abiding doesn't mean just continue to be present or continue to endure or to surround or to remain. But this kind of abiding means to wait for, to tarry, and to survive. I'm going to say these again because I think they're important that we, we remember. I'll, I'll say them slow enough that you could write them down. The kind of abiding, which is in John 15, is more than just remaining. It's continue to be present. How many have found yourself in abiding with Christ and sometimes you just got to show up? Ever find that? That's spiritual warfare. Just show up. How many find that when you go to pray, the enemy starts distracting you? You know, you get down, you get, I'm going to really pray, and then the phone rings or you get an emergency, you know, knock on the door. Because the enemy wants to distract us. 
So this, this abiding is to continue to be present, then to endure. How many find that sometimes in prayer you have to endure? Sometimes my knees hurt. It says of James that they called him camel knees, that he prayed so much that he actually had like his knees look like, you know, swollen, like bumps because he prayed so much. Um, I'm kind of a sissy. I use pillows. <laughs> Continue to be present, to endure, to surround that abiding where you just surround the Lord with your love, your worship, your praise. You just surround the situation with the presence of the Lord. Then remain as one. Abiding is to remain as one. You got to be on the same page as the Lord. And that comes by knowing his word. John 15, knowing his word. And then to wait for. How many found in prayer? You got to wait. Don't you? You just sometimes you got to wait. It's like, Lord, really? I've been waiting forever. Does it seem like that? And then I love this one. Just to tarry. How many have ever been to an overnight prayer meeting? You're so excited. You go. It's like 9 o'clock. You start praying, and you're all excited, and 10 o'clock comes, and you're real excited still, and then, like, more people come, and then at 11 o'clock, it's really exciting, and then about 11.30, you're like, oh, 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 okay, you know. (laughs) There's that tarry. Think about when the disciples went to the upper room. They were told to tarry. I think this is a word that probably the persecuted church understands a lot more than the Western church. (laughs) We haven't had to tarry all that much, right? But I'm open to that. Aren't you opening to tarrying more with the Lord in spiritual warfare? And then the last one is just to survive. Abiding in Christ is to survive all the stuff that happens to us. This, when I took this teaching on the warfare of prayer, it's kind of a joke. Sometimes the Lord lovingly, when you teach on something, he lets you experience. How many has ever experienced that? So this morning I got up, and I actually did this teaching in December. So I've been kind of looking it over and da-da-da. And I woke up this morning, and I yesterday I'd been looking at it during Saturday And I picked it up this morning, and as I picked it up, I kind of felt like trepidation. Like, oh, what did I do? (laughs) Spiritual warfare, Lord, oh. So I was planned a trip to go to my mom's, you know, and Cindy and I and the kids went up. And so I get home, and I'm, you know, resting, and Rick and I had a good talk and prayer time. And I went, oh, okay, this is good. About 4.30, I get a frantic text from Cindy. We're trying to get a hold of you. Carolyn and I are okay, but we have both been in accidents in in separate locations at the same time. At the same time. Carolyn was driving with Johanna and Caden, two of our grandkids in the car. Somebody cut in front of her, hit Carolyn's side of the car. Airbags went off in the other car. Nobody was hurt seriously. At the same time, Cindy's at Walmart in Brea. Somebody said Walmart is a different world. I agree. She was walking to her car with our two of our grandkids, 
And a lady got behind him and was angry because she wasn't walking fast enough and honked her horn. And Cindy kind of turned around like, you know, I, I'm trying to get out of your way. And the lady tried to run her over. She hit uh, Cindy with her wind mirror, her side mirror, and ran across the back of her heel. She's fine, very shaken up. And I, I said, Lord, to survive, <laughs> that's a binding. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, first of all, I'm not going to allow the enemy to define this teaching on warfare about what happened today. Because, you know, every single day, the Lord protects us from thousands of things. And I'm not going to even share with the ones that come to my mind, because then you're going to start freaking out about them, too. Because you have your own stuff, right? But just think about how real Psalms 91 is in each of our lives, and in our family, and our children, and our grandchildren, and our church, you know, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. I will say of the Lord, he is my rock and my strength, right? I mean, we live under an umbrella of blessing, church. We live under an umbrella of blessing. And rather than look at those situations today and say how awful, I say, thank you, God that you protected them. Thank you, God, that you are with us and you keep us every day. Because let me tell you, the scripture straight up tells us we are in a war. If you don't think we're in a war, you are really in for a rude awakening one of these days. Because I'll tell you what, this is war. And as the times get closer, it's pretty exciting yesterday when we heard 2017. What a great year, right? The Lord's doing great things, but we're in a war, and we have to be aware of it because sometimes we just got to survive. That's abiding. So tonight I want to turn to 2 Chronicles 2, uh, 2 Chronicles 20, to a very famous story. If you go to any seminars or do any study on 2 Chronicles 20, the story of Jehoshaphat, spiritual warfare, this is probably one of the roadmaps that most people use in growing in this area of warfare. I want to take this. So, Second Chronicles 20, and I'm going to be reading it in the message, uh, just in case any of you have the message or if you have your cell phones and can pull it up, because I just felt it was really kind of very easy to understand in that portion of Scripture. Now, we have this story as a roadmap, and I believe it's very crucial for us as believers, as abiders in Christ, that we understand the principles in Second Chronicles 20. I'm going to give you the three principles because as we go through, you'll be able to extrapolate them out, but I want to, and we'll go through each one. So there's three principles I see about divine strategy for eternal victories. Divine strategy for eternal victories divine strategy for eternal victories because that's what it's all about it's having God's divine intervention in our life for eternal victories ladies this life is short it's just it, it says it's just like a little vapor each of our lives but it's eternal everything we're doing as believers it's an internal investment investment into our eternal future so the first, th there's three. First, honestly assess the battle you are facing. You want to have eternal victories. Number one, when you're facing 
a specific area that needs breakthrough, that needs warfare, honestly assess the battle you are facing. That's number one. Just honestly assess the battle that you are facing. And we'll go back over these if you don't get them all the first time. Number two, go to God for help. Number two, go to God for help. Honestly assess the battle you are facing. Number two, go to God for help. And number three, take your position. Number three, take your position. These are our three points tonight. Honestly assess the battle you are facing. Go to God for help. And number three, take your position in prayer, praise, and blessing. Number three, take your position in prayer, take your position in praise, and take your position in blessing. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Chronicles 20 in the message, verses 1 through 2, and we'll have it up here on the screens for you as well. You can read along. Sometime later, the Moabites and the Ammonites, accompanied by the Munites, joined forces to make war on Jehoshaphat. Now, it's interesting. Jehoshaphat is, is the priest here. He's kind of, you know, a, a political head and uh, spiritual leader. And it says that they're going to make war against Jehoshaphat. It doesn't say they're making war against the children of Israel. Making war against Jehoshaphat. How many ever feel like when the enemy's out to get you you like you're the only one on the radar it's like he stopped everything and he's just like you know wants to stand off with you um and he so it says that he made war he wants they've joined forces all of these tribes have joined forces to make war on jehoshaphat now jehoshaphat received this intelligence report this is what they said jehoshaphat a huge force is on its way from beyond the dead sea to fight you there's no time to waste. They're already at Hazazon Tamar, the oasis of En Gedi. Now, the first thing that Jehoshaphat does is he honestly assesses the battle that he was facing. And we see that on down here. In the first word that's used in verse 3 is it says, shaken. Jehoshaphat was shaken. And they're assessing the battle. This walk for these, this army was about 21 miles. And for those of that have been with us to uh, Israel, where the uh, Dead Sea Masada is, it's about 21 miles from there to back to Jerusalem. And that's where this army was marching. Remember how desert it is? If you've been to Jerusalem, that's just desert. That's hard. They didn't have roads then. I could just see them going over those mountains and those hills. There's not water you know, and they were actually at a watering place. They were at the oasis of En Gedi, and they were probably drinking water, getting all fueled up. So they knew that it was about ten, about a 10-hour walk if you didn't have an army with you. So I imagine it was probably at the most, they probably thought they had a day and a half to get ready. And it says here, and the second thing, the second strategy is go to God for help. And it says here, shaken, Jehoshaphat prayed. He went to God for help. I believe that so often when we're in spiritual warfare, we're frantic. Ladies, we can get frantic so easy. Can't, have you ever been frantic? I have frantic at an art. 
I can be frantic. I, I do it really well. I am, I'm a genius franticer. I could win a franticer award. Ask my kids. And it, here he says he's shaken, but then instead of staying in that state of being shaken, it says Jehoshaphat prayed. He went to God for help, and God gave him instructions because then he said he ordered a nationwide fast. It says in the message, the country of Judah united in seeking God's help. They came from all the cities of Judah to pray to God. Now, I'm just going to say this as a pastor. When the pastor calls the church to pray and 50 people show up, it's kind of like, I don't think that's what happened here. Because, see, I think these people were really afraid. Because they literally could smell the enemy. They probably saw dust clouds off in a distance. But oftentimes as a church, we've just been lulled to sleep. Because maybe, you know, maybe you don't hear all this stuff that we hear all the time. Maybe that's why you're not as urgent as the pastors are. When pastors calls us to pray, and we do it the first Sunday night of every month, Seek God 2017, in the main auditorium, come. And I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you, because a lot of you already do come. But a lot of you could come, and some of you should come, right? Because we've been called to pray. Because I don't know about you, but every time I open the news and I hear about the, just let's just to talk about the state of California. Let me tell you what's going on in our public schools. I pray for our public school teachers and our Christian schools, what we contend with, what we contend with in our youth groups, guys. What we contend with. Because, see, the enemy's been working for a very long time because he knows it's not his time. He's like an ICU patient with, a, with an oxygen cord that he just feels God squeezing. The air's getting real thin. And what happens when the air gets thin? <coughs> you start flailing, right? Listen, the enemy's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he goes to God for prayer, and they begin praying. And I know they pray in agreement. We'll read on down with God's word. And number three, take your position in prayer, praise, and blessing. In verse 5 through 9 in the message, it says, Then Jehoshaphat took a position before the assembled people of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of God in front of the new courtyard. And I was thinking, how, how can I really put this in practical th- terms? And I thought, you know, I want to just share. You've heard a pastor's testimony about going through the Guillain-Barre syndrome and what he suffered and all of that for a quick review. We came home from Jerusalem uh, a year and, uh, over a year ago in November, so that was like November of 2015. And the next day he became weak, was in the hospital. Within five days he was completely paralyzed, you know, went from being healthy. And if you know anything about Guillain-Barre, it strips the malar around the nerves, and it was, didn't look good, you know, there, those that were there with us. And I remember the first day we went in, and the ER doctor said, I'm going to tell you what this is. I'm pretty sure what it is. And he handed me a piece of paper, and it was turned over, so I couldn't see the front. And he goes, when you turn this over, it's going to freak you out. And I remember just looking at it, and I didn't even see the words. Because I'm like, God's bigger than this, you know. 
And I remember thinking, well, thank the Lord he didn't have a stroke. Thank the Lord. And I started thinking about all the things it could be. Because it said on this, you will recover most likely. And I thought, well, most likely is pretty good. And I just kind of flipped it over. And then, of course, things started progressing, some very hard, dark times. And we've shared about the doctor that was just awful. And I remember at one point when we really realized this is what was happening. And our daughter Katie was there, stayed with us, and she's in law. So her and Rick have these legal minds, and they're reading everything they about Guillaume Bray they can. I'm coloring. <laughs> you know, just in time for those little books, you know, to get your stress out. I'm not the kind that stays in the lines either. In fact, if I just showed you those pictures, you'd understand my art of franticness. And, but I didn't. I, and they would be sitting there all of a sudden. They'd go, oh, this is bad. Ooh, wow, Dad, did you read this? Rick would be like, oh, man, you know. But in the process of that, we took to God's word the same time Mike Kitata was very sick. We knew we were under spiritual attack. How many knew when you heard that about your pastor, we were under spirit? How many went to prayer? Absolutely. We had lines of people praying for us. And we started taking the scripture. So I would say, take a position of faith. When you are facing spiritual battles, take a position of faith. It says here in verses 20, I believe it's in the message, it's verses like 24, 25. It, or no, it's actually uh, about 9 or 10 in the message. When the worst happens, whether war or flood or disease or famine, we take our place before this temple because we know you are personally present in this place and pray out our pain and trouble. We know that you will listen and you will give us victory. That's in this portion of scripture. And that's how we face spiritual warfare. We look to the scripture. We know that God listens and he gives us the victory. The second thing I say about taking your position is in during the time pastor I had Guillaume Bray, I decided I was not going to be outranked by the enemy. Don't be outranked by the enemy. He will try to outrank you by fear, unbelief, doubt, passiveness, try to get you past the buck, get somebody else to do the prayer work. I've done that before. Cindy Kanegni, can you pray for me? Mom, can you pray for me? Dad, can you pray for me? Pastor brothers, can you pray for me? Leslie Kegel, what are you doing today? How about praying for me? Don't be outranked by the enemy when you're facing spiritual warfare. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, not some things, not the things that are really only the things that are bad. Lord, I can handle most of it, but there are just times. But in everything, give thanks to the Lord with your prayers and your supplications, and the Lord will answer you. James 5.15 was a scripture we quoted when, when pastor was so sick. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Tiffany brought, uh, she does beautiful calligraphy, and she bought a portion of scripture that says, I will raise your feeble hands. And we hung it in ICU on the transfusion 
<laughs> bar. And he, every time the doctor would come in, he, I don't believe that stuff. He said, I don't care what you believe. Um, because we know who God is. We don't have to be afraid. Declare who God is and what he promises. Declare who God is and his promises. Apply his promises to your situation. If you need financial provision, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. You need to have healing in a relationship. Pursue peace as much as possible. He has given us a spirit of reconciliation. Find the word of God. Let it heal your wounds. Take the word of God and declare who God is. And what he promises. And it says here, up in this portion of 5 through 9, O God, O God of our ancestors, are you not God in heaven above? And the ruler of all kingdoms below, you hold all power and might in your fist. No one stands a chance against you. And then Jehoshaphat says this. (laughs) I love this. He uses God's word. And he says, And didn't you make the natives of this land leave as you brought your people, Israel, in, turning it over permanently to your people, Israel, the descendants of Abraham? They have lived here and built a house of worship to honor you, saying, when the worst happens, we know you listen to us. (laughs) Take God's word. Speak it to God. He's not going to slap you down. He's going to lift you up. Say, Lord, I, I really don't think this looks good for you. If, you know, if Pastor Rick stays in a wheelchair the rest of his life, I just, in my opinion, I might be wrong. You might have a different plan. But I don't think that looks so good. I really think what looks good is he gets up and walks again. I think what really looks good is he doesn't have to have, you know, a tube put down his throat and his face frozen and not be able to speak for three years. I just didn't think that was, like, going to give God very much glory. And I told the Lord that. And I had other people tell me the same thing. See, God wants us to use his promises in the very last thing. And we know what happened. They went to battle. They won. The Lord gave them strategy. You can read it there. Take the loot. When you have victory, take the loot. Say, thank you, Lord. It says in verses 25 and 26, when Jehoshaphat and the people came to carry off the plunder, they found more loot than they could carry off. They called it the Valley of Blessings. Remember this victory as grounds for future victories. When you have victory, share it with everybody. Everywhere I go, I share as much as I can that testimony of how Pastor was in ICU and he was in so much pain. And all of a sudden at 7.15, the night before Thanksgiving, he said all the pain left. We found out the next morning, 7.15, Wednesday night here at this church in that building, hundreds of people took hands and they prayed for him and it reversed. That's God. See, that's spiritual and we, that's our victory. We want to talk about it. We want to remember the victories as grounds for future victories. Give thanks to the Lord. Listen, ladies, he wants to take us deeper. He wants you to be victorious. Don't give up. There's some of you that have been praying for things forever and ever. Don't give up. Keep on knocking on the door. Allow the Lord to take you deeper. Yes, he's faithful. 
God is faithful. He does not forget us. Lord, thank you so much for your promises. If you're here tonight and you say, I just need, I need a miracle. I'm in a warfare. I need victory. Just raise your hand. Yeah, there's quite a few of you. Okay. Lord, I just pray for these. Lord Jesus, they need answers to prayer. They need breakthroughs. They need healing, Lord. They need their faith to just burst with confidence. Lord, we ask for miracles in the name of Jesus. Encourage our sisters tonight. In Jesus' name, answer their prayers, Father, because it looks so good. It looks so good for you, Lord, when good things happen to your children, God. It looks so good. And we want you to look good, God. You are a great God, and we want the whole world to know. You said if we ask anything in your name, you'll do it. We hold you at your word humbly because you are faithful.